This is the podcast of Trussler Mennonite Church, and each week we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. And we want to especially thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This sermon was from March 26, 2023, and the text was Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. As Linford said, we'll be uh, looking at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through 19. Rhonda read it for us. Page 1012 in your pew Bibles, um, if you'd like to turn there. But as we've been working through Hebrews, uh, we're now in the middle of a section where the author is warning his audience to not fall away, uh, to not turn their back on the truth that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. He warns them not to turn back to the old covenant that they had grown up living in as Jews as a means to have a relationship with God, but instead to live in a new way, in the new way that Christ has made possible. As I was preparing this week and reading through the text, it began to sink into me a little bit um, that this struggle was a real struggle um, for some, if not all of these Jewish brothers and sisters that the author was writing to these couple thousand years ago. They had grown up Jewish, but at some point they had heard about Jesus. The Spirit had worked in their hearts and their minds, and they believed with their hearts and they confessed with their mouths that Jesus was the Son of God, the perfect sacrifice. They received the Holy Spirit as a helper and as a seal of their salvation. They were part of God's family. But life happened. I obviously don't know their specific situations, but life was not easy for the Jewish people at this time, and it was beginning to get even a little bit worse. For those who had accepted Christ and were now following Him, there would have been intense pressure to to turn back to the Old Covenant by their family, by their friends. And as we've been working through this, my focus... I think has been, oh, this was them. This was their struggle. Uh, We can learn a little bit from them, obviously, but this isn't me. This isn't us. We aren't struggling with whether or not to go back to the old sacrificial system. We're all way beyond that now. But again, as I was thinking about this, the obvious kind of hit me again. This is our struggle. Maybe not today for some of us or, or for you or, or whatever, but I think if we're honest, at some point we have, and, and if not, I believe at some point we will, probably quest, ask the question, is God really real? Is what I say, I believe, really reality? Yes, we have accepted and believed that Christ, that Jesus is God's Son, in the perfect sacrifice for our sins, and we have allowed him to restore our relationship with God. We have received the Holy Spirit who now lives in us. We are members of God's family. But again, life happens. And as I was working through this, I thought of the many things that we as a church 
have, have been going through, both as a church itself and, and personally, in our lives over the last several years. Difficult situations that at times may cause us to wonder where God is in all of this. I thought about listing some of them just kind of generically, but I don't want anybody to think that I was trying to single you out because I think that you need to hear this sermon. No, I need to hear this. I think we all need to hear this. Things happen in our lives and we struggle to make sense of them. And our flesh, the influence of the world, and our enemy Satan tries to twist those things and to cause us to doubt God's goodness or possibly even his existence. And the problem is we have a hard time telling other people about this, that maybe we are struggling or maybe we think that only immature Christians struggle with that. And we're afraid to let anybody know that, yes, this is us. This is me. This past week on Wednesday evenings, we uh, finished watching season three of The Chosen. And they used Psalm 77 um, in, in, the, uh, in the program, which is a psalm that, that shares the heart of someone who is struggling in their relationship with connecting with God. And he's crying out, where are you, Lord? Are you really out there? And as I listened to it and then went back and read it a few more times, I began to realize that that this is not just the weak and the immature that may struggle with this. This psalm is attributed to Asaph, who wrote a total of 12, 12 psalms. We don't know a whole lot about him, except that he was assigned by King David to be the worship leader. So keep in mind that these words that are were words that were written under the direction of the Holy Spirit. They were God-breathed. God gave these words to Asaph as he walked through this time in his life. They were written by a man who was assigned to lead the nation of Israel who was basically at the peak of their spiritual lives. And he was, he was assigned to lead them in worship. He was important. He was supposed to have it all together. He was supposed to be mature. It seemed as though the worship of the nation was dependent on him. But listen as I read them. He says, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. But I wish that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed. I even lifted my hands towards heaven. But... My soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help, but I hear nothing. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed to even pray. I think of the good old days which have long since ended. When my nights were filled with joyful songs, I search my soul and I ponder, what's the difference now? Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never be kind to me again? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And finally I said, this is my fate. The Most High God has turned his hand against me. Does this sound like you? Are you asking the same questions? And if so, you're not alone. Scripture is full of others who struggle with where where is God in my pain? Where is God in my questions? Is he really here? 
Does he hear my prayers? Does he care? Is he really in control? So what does all this mean? Is it wrong to be in a place like this? Is it sin? I'm not really quite sure how to answer that. But God knows the answer. But I do think that it's safe to say that it's not a good place to remain. I also believe that God does not always bring us out of these places as quickly as we wish that he would. But the rest of the Psalm 77 in our text from Hebrews today helps us as we walk through these dark and difficult times. Asaph continues by saying, But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. And he goes on and he finishes the rest of the psalm talking about how God delivered the children of Israel from Pharaoh's army by parting the waters of the Red Sea. During his time of struggling and questioning, Asaph remembered God's mighty acts that he had performed before. He focused on who God was, not on his circumstances. He remembered that God was bigger than whatever it was that he was going through. And that too is what the author of Hebrews encourages us and his readers to do as well. He says at the end of verse 12 that that Jeremy uh, covered last week, he says, Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Let me point out here that spiritual immaturity may not always be the cause of our questioning, but I think based on this verse that it will lead us there if we remain in that, in that time of question. So to combat that, we remember who God is and what he has done in the past. And we follow the example of those who, while maybe even while they were still struggling in their faith, continue to believe God's promises and his words and who God was. So in verses 13 to 17, there in chapter 6, the author gives us the example of Abraham, who even in the midst of doubts, in the midst of life, in years of what seemed like God not working, not answering the promises that he said that he would do, not doing the things that he said that he would do, he continued to believe. The author says there in verse 13, For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently. He received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. Without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. We know the story of Abraham, but let me review it here quickly. God calls Abraham, or Abram, to leave his family and his country and to follow his lead, which Abraham does. And along his journey and throughout his life, God promises Abraham 
that he will bless him with land. He'll give him a physical place to live. He promises that his descendants will be plentiful. They will be a great nation. And he promises um, that he will be a blessing to the entire world. Yet Abraham was an old man. His wife was old and he had no children. But God made a covenant with Abraham that he would do what he had promised. We read in Genesis how he instructed Abraham to kill the animals and to split them in half and lay them out there on the ground. And if I understand it correctly, a covenant was sealed when the two parties uh, would walk down through the middle of this sacrifice between these offerings, and that bound the two of them to this covenant. But God caused Abraham to fall asleep, and God alone passed through. So in essence, he swore that no matter what, he would fulfill his promise. The fulfillment of the covenant was, not, was dependent on, on God alone, not Abraham. It was dependent on God, not on Abraham. Abraham believed God, even though it looked impossible, because he knew that God was able to do what he said he would do. God made a promise and he swore an oath where he made a binding covenant. And that covenant was dependent on God alone. So Abraham's faith and his hope was based on God's word and God's ability to do what he said he would do. He had and has always proven to be faithful and capable. His faithfulness is not based upon our feelings. It's not based upon our abilities. And it's not based upon our understanding. God is faithful to his word even when it seems impossible. And so the author continues on in verse 18 and says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have a great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. So what are some of God's promises that give us great confidence and hope? Some of my favorites are that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. The Lord is my shepherd. And on with the rest of the song. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. His mercies are new every morning. And I will never leave you or forsake you. Anybody else want to shout out any other ones that are special to them? But these are real. These are guaranteed. Whether our intellect tells us that they are or not. Whether our emotions tell us that they are or not. They are true and they give us confidence and they give us hope. We just need to believe them and live in them. Regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Abraham believed and then he waited. He waited for 25 years. For Isaac to be born. He was a hundred years old. Sarah was 99. It seemed impossible. It seemed like maybe God had forgotten. But he hadn't. And he delivered. Verses 19, or 20, 19 and 20 are so beautiful. And so full of truth. As, as Rhonda said. 
And they say, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there, in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Back during COVID, when we were posting our sermons on Facebook, because we couldn't meet in person, my boys and I went down to Lewis. Um, we went out fishing for tog. And we made a little video and posted that as part of my sermon that Sunday. I don't know. I guess it's still up there. I don't know. If you want something to laugh at, um, not because it's funny, just it's kind of ridiculous, but uh, it might still be there. But anyway, but tog live in the, in the rocks. And so we went out to the outer wall, which you can, if you go down to Lewis, you can see it uh, out there, the lighthouse at the one end. Um, but it's a wall with huge rocks and boulders um, that's about a mile long that the ships can come in behind and take refuge during any storms at the mouth there of the Delaware Bay. But to catch these fish, you have to set your anchor out about, I don't know, 50 yards or so from the pile of rocks. Um, and then you back your boat up to this uh, wall and you get as close as, as you can, as close as you feel comfortable to. Um, and, and you throw another, another line up into the rocks with something weighted on it and it falls in there. And then you, you tie yourself as tight as you can uh, to those two anchors. And the success of your trip depends on those anchors. If they fail, at best, you don't catch any fish and you waste a bunch of time trying to anchor up again. And at worst, your boat smashes into the rocks. I mean, it's, it can be quite stressful. You are bouncing around and, and it's pulling you back and forth. It's, but when you get into them, it's fun. Um, but yeah, when you're anchored well, it can be a lot of fun. But if you do not trust your anchor, your trip is full of worry and fear. We have an anchor that is strong and trustworthy. And when is a good anchor most important to a ship? In the middle of the storm, right? In the middle of life's storms, we have hope. We can be confident that God is in control, even though our own minds, those around us, and our circumstances scream otherwise. He has proven himself over and over and over again. But the verse gets even better. Again, it says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. This hope and anchor that we have takes us right into the most holy place. The place in the tabernacle and in the temple that God himself dwelt. Only the high priest could enter there. And that was only once a year. But at Jesus' death on the cross... That curtain was torn in two, and because of the price that he paid, we have the opportunity to stand in the glorious presence of the holy and righteous God of the universe. How can we do this? As verse 20 says, because Jesus, our high priest, has gone in ahead of us and made atonement for us that lasts forever. It wasn't just good enough to last for a year. 
It paid our ransom for eternity. And that, my friends, is truth. That is a strong and trustworthy anchor. That is reality. God planned it from the beginning of time. He promised it, and He delivered it. Our feelings, our circumstances, others around us may tell us differently, but that is the truth. So where are you in your walk and in your faith? Are your seas calm and your weather bright? My advice to you is to ask God to continue to strengthen you. Strengthen your faith during these good days. But know that a storm can and will come. So realize the strength of your anchor and realize your need for it. Or if you find yourself in the middle of the storm, like the psalmist, like Abraham, like so many others who have gone before us, trust your anchor. Remember who God is. Remember what He has done in the past and continue to hold to the one that does the impossible. You have been listening to the Tressler Mennonite Sermon from March 26, 2023. The passage was Hebrews 6, 13-20. Take care.